At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, sheet metal for the service tech. Now, I'm a service tech, have been for many, many years. I've done install back in the day, mainly piping and stuff, but now that I'm on my own, I want to learn more about metal and just the basic tasks, the basic tools and how to make my job easier. All right. So we have Craig Migliaccio from AC Service Tech on the podcast, and we're going to go through some basic tools, basic techniques, and just talk about how we can get by with very basic metal skills and how we can improve upon them. All right. Now, I know there's a lot of service techs in, in my boat that don't really deal with metal and handle metal a lot and, and could use some more education. So if you're that tech or if you're badass at sheet metal and you want to just listen along or if you haven't even really started uh, to, to do install yet, this is a good podcast for you too. So check it out, guys. This is a good one. Let's get to it. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and one of the cool things that I'm using on this city multi-job that I'm on, I got a 10-head city multi-job, and instead of using Unistrut and cushion clamps to mount my pipe above the ceiling, I'm using these Insigard saddles, and the pipe just basically sits inside of it. It's, it's just like a saddle basically and it sits inside of it it can't move left or right because it's like it's saddled it's protected and we can run our insulation right through it it's perfect like in the past i've had problems with uh using cushion clamps in a ceiling and they start to sweat they condense a couple drips on the ceiling tiles the customer gets upset then you got to go insulate all of the cushion clamps which is a bit of a pain in the butt to wrap cushion clamps that's on unistrut so anyway check those out at master group check out master.ca. This podcast is sponsored by Cintas and they've been around forever providing services to industries and one of them is uniforms and like I've been saying I have tried on the Comfort Flex Pro brand and I've got some samples it's stretchy it's breathable it moves with you and we all know that working especially in hot humid weather you want something that's breathable and and moves with you so you're not getting all sweaty. So that brand there I've heard you can drop down a couple sizes in pants, okay? Now, I ordered the right pant size, but I've heard because it's stretchy, you can actually fit into a smaller size. So if you got that beer belly going like the dad bod going, then there's no <laughs> there's no worries there. So if you are up to checking out Cintas, you can check out Cintas.com forward slash HVAC. Know it all. That is C-I-N-T-A-S dot com forward slash HVAC. Know it all. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. 
All right, Craig, that countdown is like kind of like uh, it's it's leading up. Uh, the audience can't see it, but it's counting down six, five, four, three, two. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So we've been talking about getting together on a podcast for a while now, and it's actually yeah. happened. And I, I'm I'm super excited to have this conversation with you, man, because your YouTube channel is uh, is has grown like I mean, what are you at now for subscriber wise? Uh, we just celebrated 300,000 uh, subscribers. That Extremely is... thankful. It's it's awesome. That that's incredible, man. Like you're you're like well on your way to a million. Like I mean, you could in in a couple of years you could be at a million, man, the way you're going and and I think that's crazy. You would literally be the first person in in the Is there anybody in the trades that are at a million subscribers on YouTube? Do you know? Uh, I th I think there's a lot of like uh, DIY kind of channels that are out there and home repair and, and different things like yeah, that, gen, that, are, that are up there for sure. Generalized stuff for sure. But you're like a, you're like a niche, right? You're a, a, you're, you're a specialty trade, which I don't think anybody is in even close to that in a specialty trade. So. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> never expected it to happen, you know, and, uh, at, first just started making the videos for my students in the school when I started. So it was, and it kind of just took off from there and people seemed appreciative about putting, you know, receiving the videos and everything. And so we just kept going and that's where we're at now. <laughs> awesome, man. So tell us about it. Like the name of the channel is AC service tech. You were in the hat, you were in the shirt, uh, representing the brand and like, tell us about it. Like what, what spawned the idea? So you're, you're saying that you did it for your students in school. So, you were teaching at the time when you started the YouTube channel? Yeah. So I started making YouTube videos while I was teaching the high school students uh, and the adults at night. I taught at a county technical high school and uh, a friend of mine who was making websites and, and doing all that said, I would, I would love to make YouTube videos. If I knew anything about construction, that would be awesome. And, uh, he actually encouraged me to start making them and I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and had a lot of ticks and things like that when I was talking and probably still do, but people have called me out on it and, uh, you know, helped me improve on that stuff. Uh, but, uh, basically I started making the videos to show the procedures for my students. So if I was out sick or, or whatever, you know, we had those videos or at least the students could refer to them at night if they wanted to in order to get ready for some type of uh, maybe procedural test or something like that that we were doing in the classroom. And so really there was not really any YouTube response for maybe six months or so. And then all of a sudden summer hit and we started getting a lot of comments and views and, and things on the procedural videos. And that's one thing that with AC Service Tech uh, that we are now really focusing on is showing students how to do the procedures step by step. Okay, here's what we used to do. This is what we now do. This is why it can save you time. This is how it can save you any type of frustration. It can make you more valuable. So that's really what it's all about. And then just breaking big complex things down to a layman's terminology so a 15-year-old kid can understand it or a seasoned tech can understand it and trying to like also give that the high-end troubleshooting, maybe the, the younger technician doesn't understand, but like you're th trying to throw some nuggets of what you do know mm -hmm. into that training, but also making it easily understandable. So that's, that's what we try to do. Cool, man. So the AC service tech brand, when, when kind of did that 
kind of hit and you said, you know what, this, this needs a brand, this needs a, this needs a whole thing around it. When did that come about? So easy service tech just happened to be kind of the first name I picked, uh, you know, it could have been yeah. something else. And I just decided, decided on a name There really wasn't much to that. Uh, but when we started really kind of getting serious was while I was teaching in school, I was also running my business and doing service calls at night and change outs on the weekends and things. And, you know, I got young kids at home and that's the most important thing. I was also doing the videos and also writing a book. And so, you know, all that stuff, uh, that was a lot too much, uh, honestly, as you can imagine. And, uh, then we, I had left the school and tried to focus on uh, finishing the book. And, uh, so we got serious after I left the school and tried to hone in on making sure the words in that book were exactly what I meant. And so I got together with a retired English and math teacher, a friend of mine uh, named Frank Ackley. And he, he you know, sat there with me and we just went over and over and over on that book until it was finally done. We published it. Another uh, friend of mine, uh, Brandon Price, uh, I was able to bring him aboard and we, you know, work very well together. And, uh, so he kind of helped me bring the technology aspect up of, of the things that we were doing. And we kind of just grew from there. We published the book and then after that published a thousand question workbook and then also quick reference cards and then made posters and then made some PowerPoints for teachers. And one of my, you know, greatest privileges now is to talk with new teachers and encourage them on their journey. And so when I have, a new teacher email in and kind of just share like it's hard you know like coming from yeah, yeah. the trade and coming into say a classroom and realizing that this person must have a passion for instilling into you know young techs uh so you want to kind of try to support those individuals and for sure that's really cool awesome okay so what book are did you write is it finished like is it out is it published can people yeah, look at so we it? published uh we published the refrigerant charting and service procedures for air conditioning so that's the full title it's on amazon and we published it in May of 2019, and <laughs> that that's crazy in and of itself. Because I said if we could if we could, you know, sell four copies a day, I'd be happy. And and um, we we sell a lot more than that. And uh, now we get to talk to high schools and colleges across the country and in Canada. Uh, and you know, we're <laughs> sending the books out to to schools now. You awesome. know, and and the posters and things like that, and they're hanging them in the classrooms. And that's just all good stuff. It's really awesome. So yeah, we Great. sell that on Amazon and also on our website. Great. That's, 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 that's awesome stuff. And let's, let's tell the audience here, give, let's give them kind of a sneak peek. What we, what we want to talk about. And I want to tell you why I want to talk about that. Um, so I have watched some of your videos and the ones particularly that I've watched are my weak, weak spots and my weak spots are handling metal like in, in any aspect, I'll tell you right now, um, because I've never done it really. I've, I've banged together some, some round stuff for like a unit heater, putting up some C vent to be like stuff like that, but nothing, nothing major. So I've watched some videos of yours and I found them really, really helpful. And I know there's a lot of service techs out there that if they get thrown into an install, for instance, and there's metal on it, they get intimidated a little bit. I've talked to a lot of them, right? Their strengths are gauges, meters, temperatures, pressures, uh, troubleshooting, problem finding, all of that kind of stuff. But putting together a piece of duct, when, when they get to that point, they're like, <laughs> what is going on here, right? It, it just doesn't jive with them. So I'd like to talk about 
sheet metal for the service technician, just maybe you and I can talk about some skills, some, some very basic skills that a service tech can maybe work on to get better at metal slowly and just have some basic stuff. So when he's out there dealing with a, a small install or something like that, he's got some basic knowledge on how the things go together. Is, is that something we can do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and here's the good news is that sheet metal is something that you're going to constantly be able to easily get if you want to practice on your own. So mm-hmm. if you are hungry enough, it's cheap. You know, you, technicians are ripping it out of old installations. You could practice on it, make your cuts, do your do some joints, do some bending. Like I said, it all comes down to if you're hungry enough and then you're practicing those skills. So then when you're put into a situation where you're doing a change out, now you can make good time doing it. You kind of put yourself in some situations where you're getting some measurement points, you know, maybe make a transition up, but it's, it really just takes time. So you can't imagine you're going to fly through it where it's going to look clean if there's no practice behind it. Yeah, I totally get that. And some of the practice gets done on, on uh, customers' job sites. <laughs> yeah. It's just the way it is. So let's start with the tools. I mean, there's, a ton of sheet metal tools out there. And I mean, I, I go into the supply houses and I look at them and I'm like, what's that for? What's that for? Um, I, I know the basic tools that I need to get to get by. So what are the, the most basic tools that a service tech should have with them just in case they got to do some metal? So right right and left tin snips. Yep. The upright tin snips. What I, I've talked to a lot of service technicians, and they say they could do everything with just an upright pair of tin snips because then they don't need both the rights and the lefts. You know, I, it's a shame, you know, because uh, I, I know that it's, it's not going to look as clean unless you have both, you know, both right and left-handed snips. I like to use the snips that have the smallest point on them. Uh, and just so you know, I ended up uh, coming out of residential installation of existing homes. So I was doing a lot of duct work before I started doing service. And so that's kind of where the, you know, the hand tools come in at, but getting back to the subject, uh, folding tool, uh, also called a breaker bar. Uh, you're going to have your handbrakes and you're going to have your, uh, three inch Malco snips or three inch, you know, Hillmore snips. Uh, so, you're going to need something to cut long sheets of metal out with. You can do a lot just with those basic, basic hand tools. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a snap lock punch. That's another one. Uh, the five blade crimper. Uh, so you know, so I got to, I, I got can I ask you one question? Sorry. Yeah. When you say upright snips, is that just the straight, the yellow handle ones? So I don't use the yellow handle ones unless I'm maybe cutting, some S lock or slip slide, you know, but you can really use bulldog snips for that. But, um, no, so these, you have the, the, the mouth is perpendicular to the handle. So the handles are up in the air. And so you'll have, um, you'll be cutting with the tin snips. You won't have to, uh, turn your wrist horizontally. You can just have your, your wrist and have the handles kind of coming up into the inside of your hand. And then the, it's hard to describe, you know, with a, on a podcast thinking that nobody's going to see my hand yeah, actions yeah. that I happen to be doing. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but as long as we get, as long as we get the gist of it and so just, I mean, you know, these are them right here, but. Ah, <laughs> yeah. So basically the, the, the jaw is to a right angle of the handle basically. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, I don't have those. So, I mean, I actually, my right handed snips today for some reason the the spring stopped um it stopped 
like popping back out. It just kind of clamps in and stays there. So I'm in the market for new snips. So what, what snips out there, uh, do you find are, I mean, let's, let's not talk economical. If we're, if we're going to do our job right, we need good tools. What is a good set of snips? I mean, you're talking about Malco, Hillmore, uh, Wiss, Midwest, you know, those, those, I mean, I, I hate to miss anybody, but I mean, those, those sheet metal tool companies are, are pretty good. But like I said, I, I prefer the tin snips that have a very, um, fine front on the, on the mouth. It allows me to, uh, be able to make turns very easily without popping the metal up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and since we are talking about very basic tools and some service techs here, there's probably some sheet metal guys like laughing at us going, ah, these guys don't know anything. <laughs> but since we're talking basic, let's go through these tools that you said, folding tool. What is a folding tool and what do we use it for? So you have a one inch side and a three eight side. And basically your, your one inch side uh, is for making a one inch flange or um, your mm-hmm. three eight side is for bending your ears in order to uh, bend uh, your drive, the end of your a, drive say a trunk duck. Say okay. it again. For your drive cleat to bend, bend it for your drive. Correct. Cleat? Okay. Yep. Yep. So you could drive your, you put your drive cleat uh, down the side, and so we use that a lot for for folding all types of. <laughs> I use it as a straight edge. Use it as a uh, uh, something that I can try to make a little uh, a break in the in the sheet metal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I use that quite a bit. And most technicians have a 12 inch and 18 inch and a 24 inch uh, folding tool. Okay. So handbrake, what is it? Was a handbrake? So the handbrake has quarter inch, half inch, uh, three quarter and one inch little notches on the, on the side. And so we utilize that once again, a lot. So I use the, the handbrake in combination with the folding tool in order to bend my ears properly to the exact, like, like squish them down to the proper to proper uh depth okay and so uh we also use that for if we are uh, cutting a hole in the side of say an existing plenum in order to run a new duck like you're putting a takeoff in there's different types of takeoffs you could do a slide and drive takeoff or you could do uh one where you're you're folding in all the tabs on that takeoff mm-hmm. yep. uh, but if you have not had one made beforehand you're going to just cut it in and slide and drive it in and so you'll use your handbrakes in combination with your your folding tool in order to bend those ears out on that plenum so you'll bend your one inch uh, sections out you'll also do your three eighths bend and then you'll follow that up with your your handbrakes bending the ears out in order for you to then put your drive in and in order to lock that uh, rectangular duct in place mm-hmm. okay yeah it's I, I i'm seeing now how we we should have a visual like can have you um i guess you got a series of videos that show using these tools right um oh you got one there. yeah yeah so i actually have a uh here's a folding tool i yep. don't know i've got one know, of those i don't know how much we want to talk like this you know with, hey look at this you know during podcasts yeah, <laughs> yeah i've i've got um, one of those and i've got a i've got one of the, is that just uh is that the um the handbrake yes this is the handbrake okay so i've just called it a I, I know what that is. I just call it like a, a hand bender or seamer. It's also called something. a hand seamer. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot yeah, of yeah. names for all okay. of our tools. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, I've got an ancient one of those. It's uh, yeah. it's super, super ancient. Um, okay, so 
move on to, you also said snap lock punch. What is that? Quick break, guys. So JB Warranties, we've talked about it in the past. They are there to provide your customer with a service. That service is warranty beyond the manufacturer's warranty. So if a compressor dies, a heat exchanger goes, anything like that beyond the manufacturer's warranty, JB Warranty steps in if that service is in place and provides warranty for your customers. There is a 14-day reimbursement time, and there's also up to $300 an hour for your techs of reimbursement going out to do the job. So that is pretty cool. So check out JB Warranties if you're in the market to extend the warranty programs for your customers. Company Cam is also... Another app that helps you get organized within your your day to day, like a like a CRM, but not a CRM. Basically, what it helps you do is collect information for jobs. They they land on the cloud in one place. They don't take up space in your phone. So instead of sifting through your phone for email, like pictures and, and emails and text messages and all that, you can go directly to the company cam uh, portion of that job, click on it, and everything that's happened on that job, all the images, videos voice memos, uh, memos in general, if you're writing, are they're all captured right there in one spot. So it helps keep the job organized. So check out Company Cam. All right, a couple promo codes here, guys. So the first one is at TrueTech Tools. It will save you 8%. The promo code, code is know-it-all. Just one word, the way it, it's spelled, K-N-O-W-I-T-A-L-L. Most things in store are included in the promo code so if you guys are interested in purchasing something from true tech at checkout apply that code you will save eight percent the other one is from emotorsdirect.ca now emotorsdirect.ca is a motor supplier and uh, i guess motor accessory supplier so if you want to order online like you can order these motors straight if your company has an account or something like that you can order these motors straight to your house they get delivered and you leave straight from your house and go to the job site that's kind of cool that way you're not having to stop at a supplier and, and whatnot on your way in but it's up to you if, if you like that route so the the promo code for that will save you eight percent that promo code is hvac know-it-all that is a promo code to save eight percent at emotorsdirect.ca the other one we're going to talk about here is the Dan Foss installer app. We all know about the Ref Tools app and how it's got that badass refrigerant slider. Well, they've come out with a new app recently. It's more geared towards the heating side, and what you you do with it is is go in and and you can do some flow calculations. You can go in and find parts. There's there's a few things that you can do, a few tools in there that you can use on the hydronics side of things. So check that one out. That's the Dan Foss installer app. So let's talk about brazing brazing has it, it has let's say the test of time brazing has passed the test of time okay and i've been using solder weld rods and supco distributes solder weld so anywhere that has supco can bring in solder weld rods you just got to ask them and say hey listen on your next order from supco please bring in some solder weld rods because i find honestly that they flow so nicely the silsol the 15 percent um silver phosphate it flows so nice it's 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 really really it's really really nice to, to flow um but the alternative to brazing these days in buildings where we cannot braze where they will not let us light a, a torch or or have a flame rapid locking system has come in as a a wicked alternative to brazing with their press system now the tool is expensive yes but if you talk to techs that have used it on large jobs, they say it pays off, it pays itself off in no time. So if you're looking for an alternative to brazing, check out Rapid Locking System. So let's get back to the podcast. 
So we use the snap lock punch to put end caps onto ducts so we don't have to use slide and drive in order to put an end cap on the end of a plenum. So if mm-hmm. we field fabricate a plenum, we can secure that in place just like you would the end of a gutter, like a gutter cap onto the okay. end. The snap lock punch uh, allows you to not use any screws in order to secure your end cap onto the duct, and it also allows you not to have to, to worry about doing a slide and drive connection, which doesn't really look very clean compared to being able to bend it all out yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to bend out the cap and then you use the snap lock punch to fasten to it. it. To, to fa- okay, perfect. All right. So is there any other tools? Actually, you did say a crimping tool, right? Yeah, a five-blade crimper. Uh, some people use a three-blade crimper, and that is used for when you're cutting down a circular duct or round duct, whether it's spiral or just standard standard duct, 26-gauge, 30-gauge. Uh, so basically, when you cut that down, you need to then crimp it with the uh, two uh, tabs inwards and the three on the outside, and that's going to uh, concave the end a little bit so it slips into the next section of duct. Mm-hmm. So that's what we use the the five blade crimpers for. So I was using a five blade today. So I was doing a, a small little job. I was using some round uh, snap lock, uh, just like the the C vent stuff. And um, I was finding that, and I had a couple of spin on uh, takeoffs as well. Like you know the spin ons, yeah. you got to cut the hole in the yeah. So the spin on um, the the elbow wouldn't fit into it. It was like super tight. So when I was using that five five blade crimper today and I'm crimping it, I was noticing how it kind of like angled it down more so it could actually fit inside. And I'm like, wow, right. that's that's pretty cool. So I mean, I'm just getting into the because I started my own business and yeah, na- now yeah, I'm I've seen doing... that. That's that's awesome, man. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, so thank you, thank you. Um, but I'm thrown into the fire with metal and I'm doing it all on my own. So I'm just kind of watching videos, um, I, literally practicing. Uh, at the customer's site like and i say this not for people i don't know like i was doing an install for a friend and um i said i'm just gonna take my time and i'm just gonna do it and and i bought some of the metal myself and i'm and i'm playing around with it and cutting it out and putting it on and i'm like nope that doesn't look right i'm gonna try it again until i got it kind of the way i I thought it should be but man it's it's definitely a a learning curve and and a and a and a it's like a almost like a downward slope towards to, towards learning metal because you're cutting your hands and you're, you're getting frustrated and then you kind of get to the bottom and you're like, okay, rock bottom. And then, then it's kind of up from there. So yeah. I've been so in, go on, sorry. No, no, sorry. I was going to say, you know, as far as cutting. So when you are practicing using tin snips or anybody listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, basically when you are cutting a straight line, the reason that barbs end up, popping up is because you're recutting the same part of the metal again and so if you're cutting a flat sheet of metal what i typically do if i'm in the field is i'll kind of put my weight on the one side that lays flat might stand on it or something like that and the other piece of metal i pull up towards me and then i put my tin snips in i i I push them in i cut as i am uh releasing on the handles i'm pushing it forward i'm never recutting the same spot again and so that's really how barbs end up occurring and where they pop up and end up slicing you wide open they're like a quarter inch you know and they just they just take you out Mm -hmm. and so with my students in the classroom i would i would have them have to cut 10 small quarter inch pieces of of metal like slivers 
Yeah. There's no no barbs, you know, and it can't be that they cut the barbs off. So I'd have them practice with the rights, practice with the lefts, and then they could use the three inch blade ones for when you're that's used for cutting, say, a four foot by eight foot sheet of metal. We typically buy either three foot by eight foot or four foot by eight foot sheets that are 26 gauge. You know, you can get 28 or 30, but I typically end up using 26. Uh, I know a lot of people use the lighter gauges, uh, but anyway, you can use the three inch snips in order to make nice, clean really nice clean cuts, uh, that you can then do all your forming afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I'll tell you today. So when I brought up the spin on, I think the spin ons look cleaner, um, compared to the, some of the, the, the take the side takeoffs with the, with the tabs on it. The tabs, yep. so, yeah. So I wanted to, to make this look clean and I, I literally hadn't put a spin on, on in like 15 years. So I watched a YouTube video yesterday and um, it wasn't one of yours. I just wrote in spin on. I, I was hoping one of yours would pop up, but I just wrote in um, how to install a spin on and some guy came up. He had like a one minute video. So he sticks it on the duck, draws the inner circle with his marker, cuts it out, puts the spin on on and he's done in like he's done in like a minute. So yeah. today, because my snips weren't working properly, I was getting all these kind of like uh, little slivers sticking out. And man, was it ever a hard time getting that spin on on because any little sliver, it sticks there. Right. And, and you gotta like, yeah. you gotta get those off. So yeah. if, if your snips are, let, let me ask you this. If your snips are doing that, you can't get them off. Is there a trick to like use your hammer or anything like that to kind of bang it flat or bang them on the inside that will work? Or do you just got to get them right off with the, the, with the set, if, it, if there's a barb, you can cut. Uh, so a couple things, I think you said the tin snips were staying in the same position and that has to do with, uh, the, the bolt and the nut on the, on the uh, mouth, the jaw assembly right there. Okay. And it might be too tight. Uh, so okay. what you might have is, uh, a nut with a piece of nylon on the end that is either loose or tight. Like it may, a lot of times what happens is it's loose. You end up trying to retighten it back on to get a nice clean cut, okay. end up over tightening it. And then you just struggle with it. Um, so it might be time for new tin snips as far as that goes, uh, as far, and sometimes the spring brakes as well, you know, depending on use, I've used hand brakes until they, <laughs> I put them in the ground, you know, before basically, uh, mm-hmm. use them so long where the spring ends up breaking. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so that's the one thing. So as far as cutting the barbs off, yeah, what you want to do is you'll take your handbrakes, you'll you'll make them flat again, and then cut them cut them off. Uh, you, the other thing that you could do is if you absolutely had to, you could take a hammer on the one side, a hammer on the other side, and you just tap them, tap it, and it'll it'll smooth it out that way. But really, you're using your handbrakes for all that all that flattening of the metal. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Now I kind of interrupted you when you're going through the list of tools because I wanted to hit on some of them as you're going through is there any any other basic hand tools for sheet metal that we should have so you're going to need uh we a lot of techs use it end up using a screwdriver you know but you're going to need um a slot tool so you're going to be hammering that it looks like a flathead screwdriver and you're hammering that into the duct on an angle and that's in order to to cut your hole and what it's really doing is it's it's shaving out about an eighth of an inch of metal as you're as you're beating it along there some guys end up using instead of that they use just a unibit it just depends on the shavings that come off of a unibit in order to start a hole you don't want to be leaving shavings in the duct that can only happen if you can basically turn the duct and, and let the shavings fall out after you're done and so then you use your tin snips after that it just depends on how much 
how how many jobs you're doing as far as the sheet metal tools. Like I said, I, I tried to go through uh, a list of, of beginner tools. I have a video on that. And I don't have a crazy amount of sheet metal videos out there. I probably only like maybe 10 or something like that. Uh, but uh, we have uh, the ones with the making the plenum a couple different ways. We have making a pan. Uh, we have making a filter rack, like cutting one into an existing plenum. We've got a couple on two different ways to make a plenum. We'll ha we have some other ones coming up. We also have ones on just like knowledge base, like what they're all called uh, mm -hmm. and misordered parts like grills and things like that, where yeah. the short dimension gets confused with the long dimension, whether you're in the floor or on the wall. Uh, but, but anyway, getting back to the tools, it's, you don't need a whole, a whole lot. If you're a service technician uh, doing the job, you could, there's a ton of, ton of tools that you could get, but that's the basics right there. Um, mm -hmm. your, your upright, your upright 10 snips, that's kind of like a bonus, your rights, your lefts, your handbrakes, which is also called hand seamers, your folding tool. You're probably going to have a 12 inch and 18 inch, a 24 inch folding tool. Then you're going to have your slot tool, uh, for that, for beat, basically beating with a sheet metal hammer into the duct. Some guys use a regular hammer, but a regular hammer is rounded on the front. Whereas a sheet metal hammer is more flat and then it has a point at the end, uh, for banging over your, your Pittsburgh and kind of like locking in your sheet metal. Uh, then you have your snap lock punch for putting end caps on. You have your five blade uh, crimpers. Uh, you also have your three inch tin snips. That's the basics for the hand tools uh, mm -hmm. that you would that you would typically use. I, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing some, you know. <laughs> no, I, I know that I've seen people online go, this is all you need. And they're literally holding out like five or six tools to, to, to start doing sheet metal projects. Now, I mean, we could get a little bit more advanced and there's some people that like their gadgets out there. Like what about yeah. some of those, uh, the, some of the, the attachments that Malco has to fit onto your, your impact gun and stuff like that. How handy are those to, to, to have on your, your truck? Yeah. I mean, so if you buy all of your collars at the same place all the time, you can set your, your, uh, your collar cutting tool it's, it's like a, it's an automatic one that you can put onto the drill and then you hold the handle and you spin it around and it's got, uh, your pilot bit and then your, your other bit that will cross cut the metal and it'll make your circle. So you can set that at the right depth and they're, you, they usually come adjustable so you can adjust them. And, but a lot of technicians that are doing this all the time, they actually have them preset for five inch, six inch, seven inch and eight inch collars. They'll have four of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but techs that are not doing it all the time, they'll have it, they'll put it at, you know, it's just adjustments. They'll just adjust it. But the issue comes down at or down to where you buy your collars from, because they're not always going to be the same dimensions. You can't just cut an eight inch hole for an eight inch collar. You, you have to basically straighten all, straighten out all of your collar tabs and then set that onto the duct and then take a Sharpie mark either on the inside of that collar or the outside and then you're going to measure the distance, you know, or the, the diameter. And then you have to find the radius of that in order to set your tool. But if you buy your collars all from the same distributor, you're going to know exactly the radius that you need for that tool for every single time so that you don't have to cut the collar hole and then fix it later. You're not going to overcut it accidentally. And uh, back when we were teaching in the school, we would, we would do races with somebody that had a tin snips in one you know, what somebody was cutting a collar with 10 snips, another one was mm -hmm. cutting it with the, the adjustable, uh, hole cutter tool.
I'm blanking on the name right now. I apologize for that. And, so and I'll who, just be straight and, up. I can't. I can't remember what right now. <laughs> who 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 won when you were having the races? Well, it depends on who's challenging who. Mainly the this the the adjustable collar tool would would work that you're attaching onto the drill. But sometimes, you know, if I <laughs> I would challenge them too. You know, what I mean, I would get in there mm-hmm. and 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 do it too. So. It was, uh, it was fun. And that's how you encourage, you know, young, young students, you kind of make things into a competition, but you don't, you know, focus on the negatives, you, you know, you focus on the positives and let them enjoy the the thing that they're doing. Uh, a lot of, this is something that I get to te- uh, get to talk to all of the, the uh, tech school teachers that they get overwhelmed with uh, feeling, feeling that they're inadequate, they don't have all the knowledge or they're they don't know how to teach all of this heavy knowledge. And I'm like, man, you got hired because of your skill set from in the field. Mm-hmm. Teach them what you know is valuable in within your market because you're teaching within your market. And it's going to be different for every every location. You know, up north, it's going to be, say, furnaces and, and heat pumps, hybrid, and, you know, mini splits down south. You're just going to have air conditioners and a lot of old, you know, you're going to have a lot of old systems that have electric resistance heat that they never use, you know, so they don't, they don't even bother sometimes with putting heat pumps in, you know, mm-hmm. now that's becoming more prevalent that you're just going to go ahead and put the, the heat pumps in. But what I get to tell a new teacher is that you can give them the knowledge, but the reality is you got to hammer in on all of your hands-on skills like sheet metal, like brazing, soldering, like gas piping, the different types of gas piping, uh, electrical work. So all of those things so that, they can grow real quickly when they're hired in the field. And then after that's when the knowledge kicks in and then it allows them to grow real quickly. But if they are lacking on the hands-on skills coming in, they they have to perform. You know, they yeah. have to be valuable for the company when they're hired in and they're usually hired in as a, say a helper or as uh, somebody that's trying to make another tech faster. And then hopefully, hopefully, you know, the technician, the lead technician is teaching, you know, that helper installer or mm-hmm. tech. Yeah, no, no, it makes a lot of sense. And something I, I was thinking about today too, regarding the tools, is man, and, and I, have you ever used a tool belt? Like I, I'm yeah. just thinking, I'm just thinking, like I'm putting <laughs> this tool down over there, I'm putting one over there, and put, and I'm going and collecting them, and I'm like, man, like I gotta really invest in a tool belt where when I'm done with it, I just shove it in the belt, and I grab the other one right out of the belt as well. I think it would just create a lot more efficiency. How do you find those? So. Your three inch, uh, your three inch ten snips actually fit in the metal bracket on your tool belt. So you put your hammer on one side and your your three inch ten snips on the other side, and it tries to balance, you know, the weight out. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have your front pouch where you get your tape measure, and then you have your side pouches. So just so you know, I uh, when I started my company, every everybody in my family was a carpenter, and so mm-hmm. I was the odd one out. I uh, started doing she- well, I started doing heating and cooling. And so when I started my company, it was half carpentry, half HVAC. And my grandfather was an architect. My uncle was a carpenter. We would, I would sub him out. He would sub me out. And I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot by, by, by doing all that. And so I was constantly already having a tool belt on. Yeah. And so that works out really well when you're doing HVAC work. The problem would be if you are working in an attic or a crawl space, you are basically moving to a tote style where you know, you're, you're kind of like moving your toe along yeah. and keeping all your tools in there. Uh, so okay. it's different. It's, depends on your location. If you're working in a basement, a tool belt would be great. Oh, I, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of 
different scenarios where now that I'm installing a tool belt would be great. Cause usually I just go onto a roof or in, in my past, it'd be a roof, grab up my screwdriver set, my meter. And, and then that's really all you need. Might maybe your tin snips or, or sorry, not your tin snips, maybe my, um, my, my side cutters or, or my, my, um, my electrical strippers or something like that, but it wasn't a lot. Right. Um, but I'm seeing the value of a, of a tool belt. Is there one that you would recommend one that you use right now? Uh, no, I mean, so I'm not wearing a tool belt every day now. Uh, and yeah. I don't, I don't remember, honestly, I just picked it up at a, at one of those box stores, you know, but okay. I, I used a leather belt, uh, a tool belt with metal, uh, brackets. My uncle was a carpenter all the time. He had one that had an open style metal bracket so he could slap his hammer back in. Mm-hmm. I didn't use that. I just used the closed loop on both sides. And like I said, that the three inch tin snips work perfect. In fact, when I'm c- going on a roof, cutting an attic fan in or whatever, you have to wear a tool belt. Mm-hmm. Like, like on a pitched roof, there's, I mean, yeah. I've never found any other way. I mean, that's, that seems to be the best thing. So I put my, my nails in there. You know, if you have a, um, you know, a, um, a caulk gun, not, not using caulk, by the way, <laughs> just a caulk gun. <laughs> and you're using like a tripolymer sealant or something like that. Something that's yeah. made for roost, you know, for you're trying to, you're trying to fix something that was already yeah, there yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That actually fits into the metal bracket on your, on your tool belt as well. Nice. And so, so you can switch that out between your hammer, your three inch tin snips, you know, your caulk gun, and then you, you've got that. So now I, no, no particular brand uh, pops to my mind on that specifically. I'm, I'm actually just going to see if um, Vito Pro Vito Pro Pack is. I love those bags, and mo- yeah. most techs fantastic these these days do. I'm going to see if they have a a, a tool belt because um, this could be a, a, a game changer for me and, and maybe some other techs too. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, not, it didn't pop up right away when I put it in. It's just a bunch of backpacks i'll look later um okay so the last thing i want to get to with you is there's there's a lot of there's a lot of service texts that'll get friends and family and neighbors and whoever and and word of mouth may spread because they want to do some change outs on the side or whatever just to make earn some extra dollars or extra cash the the problem that i had when i was doing it back in the day is like okay i pull out a furnace put the new one in. Um, so now the new one is a bit smaller. Now I have this gap of about a foot that I, I don't have any metal in. And I'm like, do I go to a metal shop and measure it up, have them make it? Or do I make it on site? Yeah, I can't make I can't make something like that on site. But I saw a video once, uh, maybe a couple of years back where somebody was actually creating single panels, like side, back and front. And piecing it all together just with some s s cleat and it looked mm-hmm. cl- it looked clean when they were done and i'm like yeah. this could be a method that i could use so what do you think of that have, have, have you yeah. used that before that's exactly the method for making a transition between an existing duct and say a furnace and evaporator coil what i would typically do is i'd try to if i'm doing a change out what i would do is i'd line up the back top corner with the back top corner of the supply duct so okay. at least I have two edges that are straight. Mm-hmm. And then I would do exactly what you're saying is instead of making a, uh, a straight just box uh, plenum, which is going to be bad for your static pressure, you want to make a transition whenever possible. It's mm-hmm. cleaner. It's going to perform better. You know, if you have an ECM blower motor, it's going to cost less to run it mm-hmm. uh, before, you know, by pushing the same amount of airflow. So 
the way that you would do that in the field is you would make it out of typically four pieces of sheet metal. Uh, and in that case, yeah, you would use S-lock and screws. That's probably the easiest way to do it. And so you do one at a time. And if you have your back lined up, it gives you a straight edge to start for your, for your top and your back. The other way to do it is your top and back piece could be all one and then just bend that one seam. But it, it is simpler to just make it out of four pieces. So I totally agree. That's, that's exactly in it. And in fact, I, I will, I mean, I am planning on doing a video like that. I just, <laughs> uh, I'm not gotta, sure exactly when to I'm going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. but I will. Yeah, we're, we're going to do it. <laughs> awesome. And when you do, please send me the link because um, sure. I, I can, or you can even send me um, like a, a snippet of it, like a one minute thing. And I can, I okay. can share, I can share it for you like on Instagram cool. or whatever. Um so what, what else was I going to say there? I had something that I thought was, oh yeah, this is what I was going to ask you. I want to get your opinion on this. I don't know if you do this or if you don't, or, or if you've taught this or if you did it when you were, when you were working in, in the field a lot more, but what about putting like, so case coil. So, so we have an air handler, like let's say it's a furnace and then we have a case coil. And, and most times the installer puts the case coil right on the furnace. Now I don't know where, this came up, but it's like, why don't we put a piece between the furnace and the case coil just for checking static pressure perhaps, or for getting a, a borescope in there to check the heat exchanger? Because if that case coil sitting right down on the furnace, you kind of don't have any opportunity to do that. What do you think about that? So from, from what I understand that where that came from in a new installation, and I've done it, on many new installations is when you're in a downflow position, you are basically uh, providing an area for the air to gather before it goes into that coil. It depends on how, you know how some A coils will have a large flat plate on the very top and it kind of restricts the air. It kind of hits it okay. in the downwards position. Yeah. And so you're, you are allowing a, maybe a six inch or a 12 inch gap between the furnace and the evaporator coil to have air be able to gather and also for the uh when a furnace uh, the the gas shuts off and you are uh continuing to cool the uh heat exchanger down it's just allowing more of a space so the hot air doesn't get trapped there between the coil and the furnace at least that's how you know that's one of those things i don't have an exact answer on but that's mm -hmm. how i understood it you know uh, in in reference to doing it and the other thing is um Sometimes the coil, the top of the coil and the, the supply side of the furnace uh, don't quite match up. So it's nice. To, you, sometimes you're forced to have to put some type of a transition there. And so mm -hmm. that's a bonus. Now, you're also mentioning, you know, uh, what I hope people are now doing more and more and more, you know, as more HVAC education gets out there, mm -hmm. you know, is that is you're checking your static pressures there. Yeah. And so it gives you a good location to, to check it where the air is not all uh, disturbed and turbulent, uh, because you, you have, a uh, more of a location to, to check it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I also think that the bonus is if you can drill out a small hole for a borescope for, to, to check, yeah. uh, heat exchangers, I think it would be, I think it would be Absolutely. very cool to, to do that as well. So I yeah. mentioned it one time and, uh, I, I tried it, uh, three or four weeks ago. And I thought it looked really good. I, I had it made. I had it made by a shop just down down the road from me. And, and it, it was basically, it matched the 
the the width the width and and length of the case coil and then that sat on the furnace and then the case coil sat on top of that so it was just basically a straight line going up but it looked clean i did inside uh, i had them do inside flanges so the flanges are on the outside they're on the inside and it looked yeah, super clean right. so yeah, i i, I kind of like the idea and and i know some other techs have done it as well so i just wanted to get yeah. your thought on it no, I, I agree completely. And sometimes you can actually put your mastic on the inside as well when you're sealing it. The, the big yep. thing is, you know, sealing up all of your, your air joints. And then for all your test points, you're putting your test caps back on there, whether they're metal or, or plastic. Uh, typically, if it's three eighths or half inch holes that you're using uh, for a borescope, you might be using, you know, half inch uh, or maybe three eighths. I'm not sure if they would fit for three eighths, mm-hmm. but uh, half inch, that's that's a pretty common pretty common size yeah we use three eights for the static pressure tips a lot of times yeah okay one one last thing and then uh, i'll stop bugging you for the night you mentioned mastic (laughs) uh so around here anytime you go into like anytime i well i shouldn't say anytime you go in or anybody but anytime i go in i observe duct work in a residential application and and it's it's taped it's not it's not mastic it's very rare that i see mastic uh, I, I don't know why that is. Maybe because we're not extremely humid here, maybe humid a couple of months of the year and, and we don't have it peeling off like maybe some other humid climates would. But mastic over tape, would you say is probably the best way to seal a duct system? So metal has uh, oil on it from the yep. from the factory, from the sheet mm-hmm. metal shop, uh, mm-hmm. or from the manufacturer, really. And that's so that it doesn't rust during transport or while it's on the shelves in the, in the storage room. And so when you try to put tape over it without cleaning the oil off, which a lot of people do, it ends up uh, having an air leak. It depends on which tape you're using. And I actually, the same thing occurs here, where a lot of the s- systems that maybe you're taking out or you're redoing was never masticed to begin with. And I think mm-hmm. that really comes with education. And I was talking with a couple of different manufacturers about, about this and, you know, people are caring more. And back when I started, when I got stuck at it, there was no YouTube to, to you know, to, to find yeah. the answer. Yeah. You know, I was, I was told to go out to the street as a service tech, clear your head, then come back <laughs> in again and force the thing through until you yeah. fixed it. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there is definitely, definitely a change occurring in the industry that people are caring more, taking more pride. And you can even see it on Instagram with people posting the jobs that they've done and everything like that. Clean cut is cool now, you know? And so before, back when nobody, like when I started, you never saw that kind of stuff. You know, you had people take pride in their work, but not to the extent that there is now, which, which is really cool. Like you get to encourage people to do a better job which makes them more valuable and does a better job for the homeowner. That's, that's beautiful. I, I am going to blame that on, not blame it, but this is a kind of, I'm going to blame that on, it's a good thing, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, on social media because it's like, here's my install. It gets kind of derailed and everybody laughs at them. This happens on Facebook a lot. And then people go, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the hard nose approach to tell that guy what's wrong was right because people are reading it going yeah that that makes sense and then some come somebody comes out and does this badass install looks looks amazing and somebody else sees that and they're like okay well i can do better than that guy and then they try to do better than him you know what i mean and then Mm -hmm. it just kind of this this sort of um snowball effect of this of these awesome 
jobs where people are now going and putting led strips behind their jobs in the mechanical <laughs> rooms you know what i mean people yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, what, like, what like what's next there's gonna be holograms of like tupac yeah. like dancing in front of like yeah. i i don't know man it's yeah. it just gets it's it's getting we're all building each other up and that's the good part right. and, I, and i see what you're saying uh yeah the, the quality yeah. of work is starting to increase 100 yeah. percent. Hey, i agree with you can i share one thing um, yeah. as far as making plenums in the field transitions in the field so just to share what i had done in the past is you either have a maybe a four foot uh a adjustable movable brake like one that's very light they make those those style ones or like, so what I've done this is like the poor man's break, right? So uh, if you are using four foot by eight foot sheets of metal, you may have them in your truck up against the side. And I ended up working out of a box truck a lot of the time with the company I worked for and also for, for my company. And so what I also brought with me was two sheets of plywood, half inch sheets of plywood that were two foot by eight foot. I would then set them on the ground because inevitably you have either grass, you have stone or concrete. And if you put your sheet metal on concrete and then you put weight on it, you're going to put dents in it where the little stones are and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you put your plywood down, then you put your sheet metal down. And then I also, so that's literally just a place to set your sheet metal sheet on. Mm -hmm. But then I also had a uh, a two foot by four foot sheet of plywood. And I did do a video on how to make a plenum with that sheet of plywood. And so you are going to have knee pads and you put your knee pads onto the sheet metal and you can do all your cross breaks. You can do all your bends with that. I saw and, that video. I saw that video yeah. when, when you're using the piece of uh, wood to make the cross break. I thought that was awesome. Right. And so it's kind of silly. I'm just carrying all this sheet metal around with me. And even when I was making a cover for package units so we did mobile homes and exist and and regular homes so i did residential light commercial i also did mobile homes and you need to make sure that you're sealing up where your say your package unit ductwork goes through uh into the crawl space at and so i would make this one piece of metal with like in this method there's no way you're going to be calling and and being able to like well i guess you could but i mean like it's not practical. You have to make this on site, like this little cover so that you can butt your, your package unit up against the building in order to then also give your package unit room for the coil to, to uh, be able to reject heat. And mm -hmm. so you have your fresh air coming in. So you can't just push your package unit right up to the side of the building. You may have to hold it off 12 inches, 18 inches, maybe two foot off of the building. Mm -hmm. But then you have your ductwork coming off of the package unit and sometimes you don't have a nice clean cut where your duct goes through it, maybe concrete block or, or whatever it is. Sometimes it's just siding that's there. And so you have to make a cover that an animal is not going to get into the crawl space and end up making a home inside the ductwork, all that silly stuff. But I would end up bending that all on site and you kind of have to like bend it, put it in place, check it, adjust it, you know, use your handbrakes, you know, and play around with it until you got a, a nice, really good seal. Nice. Okay. Um, and that the video, when you're using the, the wood to cross break, that's what you were building in that sort of that, what you were just um, explaining the wood, uh, in, in that video, when I was making, I was making a plenum in that video. Oh, okay. And All right. I only okay. used, yeah, I just shut, I just set the sheet metal on the ground and I only used the little two foot by four foot sheet of plywood on top. But realistically, okay. literally what I had in my truck was <laughs> two, two foot by eight foot sheets of plywood and then a little other piece that I put my weight on 
And mm -hmm. so there's other tools that you can use like, like this one right here that you can, um, you can make cross breaks with. And so there's, there's different ways to make cross breaks. Sometimes you put weight on your, your folding tool and you are just pressing down with your folding tool in order to make your cross break. But in order for you to put your weight down onto it and then kind of pull the sheet metal off to make a cross break, I found yeah. the, uh, the plywood was worked. It worked well. And you can't use a two by four because it has a rounded edge. You need yeah. a, a nice crisp edge. So, you know, some people have the luxury of bringing a small four foot sheet metal break. It might be like 500 bucks or something like that. You can buy them cheaper now than that. And it just doesn't need to be heavy, and you could use that to, to build all your, your sheet metal in the field. Cool. All right, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate this. I've, I've learned a ton. I'm going to look at some of, the, like some of these tools I've got already we were talking about, but some of them I don't. And I actually need to upgrade all my sheet metal tools. So I'm, I'm really going to um, be looking at some snips tomorrow when I go. I actually have to return some stuff, and hopefully they've got some some snips um i've heard a lot of good things about wis and midwest um also like you can't forget malco because they've been in the game for so long so um craig this has been awesome and uh i, I learned a lot i think a lot of the, the audience members that don't know this stuff as well as they should uh, or want to know is going to learn too so this has been great man I, I appreciate you having me on I'm, I'm glad that we can connect and uh the shame we haven't you know, connected earlier, but, uh, here we go. So yeah, there we go. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> we do it. it again. We'll do it again. We'll <laughs> come up with another topic, uh, sure. and, and, and we'll go at it again. So you're welcome back anytime, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Man, that was such a good conversation. And I got to thank Craig for getting on here and having this conversation with me because I've implemented some of the the things we've talked about already and i've went out and bought some of those tools like the upright snips i went out and bought a set i think the very next day after we had that call because i was going into a, a supplier that sold some tools and i grabbed a set i also grabbed some other stuff too but anyway craig thank you very much guys check out ac service tech and what they're up to on youtube and uh their channel is phenomenal for education in the trades and so on and so forth so thank you i'm out once again thank you to the master group happy hvacking Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.